Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Welcome and good morning to the abbreviated version of Manna for Breakfast. We'll be looking into 1 Kings 12 and 13 this morning and Acts chapter 11. So we're just going to pray and jump into the Word. Father, thank you for giving us this opportunity to look into your Word, to read these things, to ask God for your Spirit to give us the understanding so we can rightly divide the Word of truth. So guide us, God, during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. We're back in the chronological timeline to these events that should be happening right after Solomon, when Solomon's son, Rehoboam, took over power. So now we're jumping ahead to his reign and the divided kingdom. Verse 1 says, Then Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. Now when Jeroboam, the son of Debat, heard it, he was living in Egypt, for he was yet in Egypt where he had fled from the presence of King Solomon. Then they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam, saying, Your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. Then he said to them, Depart for three days, then return to me. So the people departed. King Rehoboam consulted with the elders, who had served his father Solomon while he was still alive, saying, How? Do you counsel me to answer this people? And they spoke to him, saying, If you will be a servant to this people today and will serve them and grant them their petition, speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the elders, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men who grew up with him and served him. So he said to them, What counsel do you give? that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father put on us. The young men who grew up with him spoke to him, saying, Thus you shall say to this people who spoke to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now you make it lighter for us, but you shall speak to them. My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father loaded you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke, my father disciplined you with whips. I will discipline you with scorpions. Then Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, as the king had directed, saying, Return to me on the third day. The king answered the people harshly, for he forsook the advice of the elders which they had given him. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people. For it was a turn of events from the Lord that he might establish his word, which the Lord spoke through Ahijah the Shelemite to Jeroboam the son of Nebat. When all Israel saw that the king did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Now look after your own house, David. So Israel departed to their tents. 
But as for the sons of Israel who lived in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was over the forced labor, and all Israel stoned him to death. And King Rehoboam made haste to mount his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. It came about when all Israel heard that Jeroboam had returned, that they sent and called him to the assembly and made him king over Israel. None but the tribe of Judah followed the house of David. And when Rehoboam had come to Jerusalem, he assembled all the house of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against the house of Israel to restore the kingdom to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. But the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the rest of the people, saying, Thus says the Lord, You must not go and fight against your relatives, the sons of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing has come from me. So they listened to the word of the Lord, and returned and went their way according to the word of the Lord. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penuel. Verse 26, Jeroboam said in his heart, Now the kingdom will return to the house of David. If this people go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, then the heart of this people will return to the Lord, even to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king consulted and made two golden calves, and he said to them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt. He set one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. Now this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one as far as Dan. And he made houses on high places and made priests from among all the peoples who were not of the sons of Levi. Jeroboam instituted a feast in the eighth month on the fifteenth day of the month, like the feast which is in Judah. And he went up to the altar. Thus he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves which he made. And he stationed in Bethel the priests on the high places which he made. And he went up to the altar which he had made in Bethel on the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised in his own heart. And he instituted a feast of the sons of Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense. Chapter 13. Now behold, there came a man of God from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, which Jeroboam was standing by the altar to burn incense. He cried against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and on you he shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. Then he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be split apart, and the ashes which are on it shall be poured out. Now when the king heard the saying of the man of God, which he cried against the altar of Bethel, Jeroboam stretched out his hand from the altar, saying, Seize him! But his hand, which he stretched out against him, dried up, so that he could not draw it back to himself. 
The altar also was split apart, and the ashes were poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. The king said to the man of God, Please entreat the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord, and the king's hand was restored to him, and it became as it was before. Then the king said to the man of God, Come home with me and refresh yourself, and I will give you a reward. But the man of God said to the king, If you were to give me half your house, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water in this place. For so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall eat no bread or drink water, nor return by the way which you came. So he went another way and did not return by the way which he came to Bethel. Verse 11. Now an old prophet was living in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the deeds which the man of God had done that day in Bethel, the words which he had spoken to the king. These also they related to their father. And the father said to them, Which way did he go? Now the sons had seen the way which the man of God, who came from Judah, had gone. And he said to his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he rode away on it. So he went after the man of God and found him sitting under the oak. And he said to him, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. He said, I cannot return with you nor go with you, nor will I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. For a command came to me by the word of the Lord, you shall eat no bread or drink water there. Do not return by going the way which you came. He said to him, I also am a prophet like you. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that you may eat bread and drink water. But he lied to him. So he went back with him and he ate bread in the house and drank water. Now it came about as they were sitting down at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. And he cried to the man of God who came from Judah saying, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the command of the Lord and have not observed the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you, but have returned and eaten bread and drunk water in the place in which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your bodies shall not come to the grave of your fathers. It came about after he'd eaten bread and he had drunk that he saddled his donkey for him, for the prophet whom he had brought back. Now when he had gone, a lion met him on the way and killed him. And his body was thrown on the road with the donkey stand beside it. The lion also was standing beside the body. And behold, men passed by and saw the body thrown on the road and the lion standing beside the body. So they came and told it to the city where the old prophet lived. Now when the prophet who brought him back from the way heard it, he said, It is the man of God who disobeyed the command of the Lord. Therefore the Lord has given him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. Then he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle the donkey for me. And he saddled it. And he went and found his body thrown on the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside the body. And the lion had not eaten the body nor torn the donkey. So the prophet took up the body of the man of God and laid it on the donkey and brought it back. And he came to the city of the old prophet to mourn and bury him. And he laid his body on his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. After they had buried him, he spoke to his son, saying, When I die, bury me in the grave in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the things shall surely come to pass, which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar of Bethel and against the house of the high places, which are in the cities of Samaria. After this event, Jeroboam did not return 
After this event, Jeroboam did not return from his evil way, but again, he made priests for the high places from among all the people, any who would, he ordained to be priests of high places. This event became sin to the house of Jeroboam, even to blot it out and destroy it from off the face of the earth. So, first off, Jeroboam departing. Why? Because Rehoboam was not listening or obedient to the wisdom of Solomon. The men who had served Solomon, who were older, had been in his court for many, many years and knew the wisdom of Solomon and knew that the effective king, as we see in his Proverbs, was to be one that was ministering in righteousness, caring about the people. That's what it meant to be a king. And so they had all of that had read, I imagine, all of his Proverbs. They knew that this was the calling of any king to be dealing justly and fairly with people. And of course, we see the whole event with Solomon with the two women and the baby, how he took the time to care about the needs of the common person. In fact, these ladies were probably temple prostitutes or something. They were the lowest class, and yet he, he rightly divided and, and brought about justice in that case. His son, well, he was a King Solomon millennial. <laughs> he was brought up, obviously spoiled, and uh, not listening to his father. And we could maybe go into a lot about his, Solomon having so many mothers in a bad family unit, probably. But he decides to listen to the young men. The young men who grew up not listening to the wisdom of Solomon and after power, and, of course, they're now in the king's court, and they want power. They want to dislodge these older guys. And how best to do that? Manifest strength and power. Show everybody how tough you are. So they say, be harder on the people. Now, Jeroboam had already been shown, believe it or not, by an angel, that he would take those ten tribes and go north. And it's interesting. I mean, he knew it had been prophesied to him that he was going to be king of the north. The angel already prophesied what was going to happen. We read that. So he comes to him and says, you know, treat us fairly, we'll serve you. And I don't know if he expected the answer, but that's anyway, he knew once he said, no, we're, I'm going I'm to beat you guys and treat you harshly. He knew this is, this is what God told me, it's time to depart. So he leaves and he goes up north with the 10 tribes and establishes his reign up there. Now God had promised him, that if you will serve me, if you'll be faithful to me, I will bless you, establish you. You will be the king over all Israel. But what's he do? Oh, no, no. He doesn't want to trust in God and to take it in God's timing. He thinks, see, if the people go down and start worshiping in Jerusalem, they're gonna, their hearts will go after God again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's just what God said. If you let the people serve me and you serve me, then I'll bless you. But no, he gets the political bug and says, no, I want everybody to worship me. I want everybody to obey me. So I'm not going to allow them to worship Yahweh God down there. I'm going to try and set up these golden calves. And many people believe that he was making an image of Yahweh. It's hard to say, but he was like, like, well, we'll just call this Yahweh. It's kind of a nice mixture of all the idolatry we've had over the years <laughs> of Egypt. And uh, you can see it. You guys like to see your idols. So here it is. Worship this. Convenient worship. Talked about this several times. When somebody starts trying to sway you with convenient worship, look, just come here. It's closer. It's easier. It's more fun. It's more entertaining than actually real worship. Something where God is calling you to 
where you know the word of God is being rightly divided, sometimes it's going to be far away. Don't fall into that trap. They did, and now it becomes sin to them. This is where the sin of the Jeroboam son of Nebat is all about. This is what we talked about Wednesday night. So what happens? They go up north, and now we have this weird, strange thing about the prophet. God sends up there and says, because you've created this false altar, Jeroboam, I'm going to curse it. And I'm going to basically curse you and curse your kingdom and curse everything about what you're doing. So he sends a prophet up there. Why did this prophet go back with the other prophet? Why did the first prophet lie? These are answers we really don't know specifically. We don't know for sure. But you can kind of, in my mind anyway, make a very loose comparison to Ananias and Sapphira. The 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 worship of Yahweh in, in Judah was now in one sense beginning again. Solomon had died, even though he went apostate, they had been doing really well. They've kind of fallen into apostasy and now they're under Rehoboam and God's saying, Look, I'm gonna keep a remnant in the south, but I need that remnant to be pure. I need my prophets specifically to be and those who represent me to be pure, to be like Elijah and Elisha. So he sends them up there, and yet they're not a hundred percent following in obedience, because this man, as a prophet, should have known if I receive the word of God to say, do not stay in this country or go stay here or eat with anybody, he was to obey that, not someone else's interpretation of the word. We can use this as like instead of direct prophecy, but of the Bible. If God has revealed his truth to you in the Bible, then you don't let somebody else talk you out of that. Okay, I'll go back and I'll eat and I'll stay with you and fellowship with you. And he goes back. And then the guy who lied, whether he was called by God to do this or not, this part we don't know. He says, aha, you didn't obey the word of the Lord, therefore you're going to die. Um, it seems unjust and it seems unfair, but God is, remember, perfect. He never, ever, ever, ever makes a mistake. And it may well have been that it was assigned to all the other prophets in Judah, the high priests, everyone else, that listen, we serve Jehovah, Yahweh, God. We're the only ones with the temple. We're the only ones with the truth. And we cannot allow any of the false prophets up in the north, any of the other people around us, to, to be swayed or influenced away from what we have clearly been shown in the law of Moses, and clearly been shown by God. Does that make sense? So they, they had to make a decision. If the Lord shows us these things, especially as prophets, then he, sh- he is the one who's shown us, and he will be the one that overturns that, no other prophet. And so this was a call for, again, for having a pure ministry, a pure uh, assembly before God in the South, which they would need because the South is going to undergo a lot of problems themselves and of course Josiah is going to be raised up and he's going to have to do all kinds of good things to get them back on track so there is the beginning of the reign of Rehoboam evil king Jeroboam in the north evil king all because of Solomon not listening to his own wisdom and multiplying wives and horses and wealth so sad okay chapter 11 now of the book of Acts now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea, heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him. 
saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision and object coming down like a great sheet lowered from four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice of heaven answered a second time, saying, What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times. And everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, being sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And it reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house, saying, Send to Joppa and have Simon, who is called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And I began to speak. The Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John, baptize with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift that he gave to us, also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I should stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable number were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. The disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. Well, we got a lot going on in chapter 11, for sure. Uh, we, we see Peter's report. He going in and he's saying, he tells all the other Jewish brethren, guess what? 
doors open to the, the gospel to the Gentiles. They're pretty upset about it at first. You'd think they'd be a little bit more open, a little bit understanding, but they had not figured all very much out yet. But now the Holy Spirit's revealing this, gives them the testimony, explains how Holy Spirit fell on them, and they're all remembering that day when the Holy Spirit and the tongues fell on them, and they're going, wow, who are we? If God placed it upon them, his Holy Spirit, then he's opened up the door. And so now they are rejoicing. And now that the door is open to the Gentiles, now the other the persecution that had begun had spread people all over the place, but they still weren't so sure about sharing with those pesky Gentiles. And we'll just keep it to the Jews for now, even though the door's open except for a few. And they start sharing with the Gentiles, and boom, the, the people start getting saved all over the place. So we got to get a son of encouragement, Barnabas, up there and get checking on these things. And so he does. And so this whole ministry to the Gentiles is now exploding. And Barnabas goes, hmm, ministry to the Gentiles. Yeah, I need to go get Saul. He knew Saul was called to the Gentiles. He knew Saul was, of course, an expert in the law and could explain all of these things about faith in Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then, of course, law of Moses going all the way down to Jesus. So he goes and gets um, Paul, and Paul there begins really a school of discipleship, we might say, in Antioch. And this is where now we have Jews and Christians together, and together now they become Christians. Isn't it interesting? It's not until there's Gentiles in the mix that we see this first century group of believers called Christians. I like that. We're one body. Uh, before, we might have called them Jewish believers, and then now with the Gentiles, they're in Antioch, they're Christians. Those that are Christ-like, which is really the meaning of Christian. Pretty cool. Well, let's look at Charles Spurgeon for today. So he giveth his beloved sleep, Psalm 127.2. Ours is not a life of anxious care, but of happy faith. Our Heavenly Father will supply the wants of his own children, and he knoweth what we have need of before we ask him. We may therefore go to our beds at the proper hour and not wear ourselves out by sitting up late to plot and to plan and contrive. If we have learned to rely upon our God, we shall not lie awake with fear gnawing at our hearts, but we shall leave our care with the Lord. Our meditation of him shall be sweet, and he shall give us refreshing sleep. To be the Lord's beloved is the highest possible honor, and he who has it may feel that ambition itself could desire no more and therefore every selfish wish may go to sleep. What more is there, even in heaven, than the love of God breast? Then, O soul, for thou hast all things. Yes, we toss to and fro unless the Lord himself gives us not only the reasons for rest, but rest itself. Yea, the Lord, this Jesus himself, is our peace, our rest, our all. On his bosom we sleep in perfect security, both in life and in death. 
sprinkled afresh with pardoning blood, I lay me down to rest, as in the embraces of my God or on my Savior's breast. Father, thank you for those words and thank you for the security we have in you. And thank you that we see as Peter proclaimed you to the Gentiles and he testifies, saying that all those who would believe in him would be saved. We understand the truth and how that spread through the early world rapidly. And your gospel message came on to the people like fire and your Holy Spirit spread through the nations and has been continuing ever since. And we are so blessed because people learned what it meant to rest in you in the time of great persecution. These people could rest in you. These people were coming to, to believe in you and dedicating their life to you knowing that it could cost them their lives because of the persecution of the Jews and the Romans. So, Father, keep us there in our minds, no matter what's going on. As we see the persecution increasing, may you purify your church as you purified many of the believers back in those early times, including those prophets. Keep us pure, God. Do not let the influence of those who call themselves prophet around the, around us try and reinterpret the Bible and tell us that what God has clearly shown us is not so. We understand what sin is. We understand what idolatry is. We understand what it is for people to part your church, the pure worship of you, and go set up their own golden calves. God, we do not want to be influenced or dissuaded by them or tricked by their theology. Keep us close, God. Keep us ever mindful. Keep us in your word so we can rightly divide your truth. Thank you for this beautiful day. May you bless us, God. May you bless anyone who had the opportunity to be in church or going to church and help them to truly worship you at the source, at your feet. So thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, that'll be the short version for potentially tomorrow Sunday. Let me see what's the time difference. Is it the same time in New Mexico, I think, as it is in PV? So I might be at 9 o'clock Monday morning. If I can get settled in time, I'm going to shoot for uh, 9 o'clock. New Mexico time, I think, to be live, which should be PB time, as far as I know. All right, bye-bye.